Hey, what's up? It's Huzzy here, and this is Cats Out of the Basket, the podcast. This is the podcast where we hear the real stories of real people who have experienced mental illness and just to know how they manage their way through it. It is a podcast where we really get down to the thick of it and it is quite raw. So today we've got another guest, obviously, and his name is Aaron. How you going, Aaron? Hello. So I have heard that some people pronounce your name differently, is that right? Yeah, it's Aaron. Aaron. I thought so. I was going to ask you about that before we started. Yeah, I was about to mention, maybe I should have mentioned that, but yeah. uh, that, that's good. It's only, it's, it's only like you've known me, I don't know, five years or so. That's, that's so cool. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm one of those dudes that doesn't say people's names to their face, and that's a problem for me. It can what? be a problem. Why not? I don't know. I just, you know, I just prefer to go, hey, what's up? Hey, I don't say, hello, John. How are you? <laughs> well, I mean, maybe it's to, so you don't get the name wrong. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I, I'll get around to it a bit I, better. I know I say mate to people whose names I just cannot remember. Yeah. For the life of me. I'm usually pretty good at remembering names, but if I don't, it's like, oh, hey, mate. How are you? <laughs> it's all good. Anyway, Aaron, it is. So um, I know you through uni and through the uh, societies at uni. So can you tell the listeners a bit about that? Sure. So Huzzy ran the Los Latinos Society at Macquarie, which was the Latino Society. See. Um, and basically I got involved in that because I danced salsa and I ended up actually teaching some of the salsa classes for Los Latinos. Yeah. And uh, that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, we also, uh, I ran the Jewish Students Organization there mm. and uh, we tried at one point to do something where we'd field a team for the Los Latinos Football World Cup, but... We didn't end up doing that, but I still got to see Huzzy around the place and, well, Huzzy, I'm saying it in third person, but, well, <laughs> whatever. Uh, well, you're talking I, to the listeners. I'm, so yeah, I suppose I am talking yeah, to the yeah. listeners. Yeah, I still got to see Huzzy around and he, he always struck me as a, a kind, very softly spoken guy who, who does not like the limelight one bit. No. <laughs> well, you know, to an extent. It's, it, I guess it's probably situational for me. Yeah, well, either, either way, that, that's how we met. And um, yeah. we've kept in touch on Facebook. So, mm. yeah. Great. Awesome. So, obviously, you were one of the people that um, I made the original post on Facebook and, and you said you were interested in, in doing this as well. Yes. Yeah, so wonderful. All right, well, I guess this is a good time to bring in the mysterious golden Chinese question box, which you've heard a lot about yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this. You're excited? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so for those of you who haven't heard this before, we've got a beautiful golden Chinese box. It's got a lot of questions in there, and Aaron's going to pick one out and uh, see, see what we get. Give it a bit of a shuffle because we've had a few of them coming up with the same question the last few episodes so okay hopefully that doesn't happen again or it could be a good thing because we get some comparison it really is a beautiful box thank you you can thank my mate elson for that elson thank you thanks elson okay i've got a question 
Great. We'll just close the box. I'll let you hang on to it oh, because okay, you okay. might need another one later. Oh, if you insist. Okay, hang on a sec. Um, all right. What do you got there, mate? If you could be any animal, what would you be? And that's from Hetty from South Australia. Yeah, Hetty's a, a big supporter of the podcast there. Yeah, the name, the name sounds familiar from yeah. the previous episodes. Yeah. Shout out to Hetty from South Australia. Um, if I could be any animal, hmm. Well, my cat looks pretty happy upstairs in the sun, so that, mm. that's a good start. But yeah. I don't know. Um, I think it would be really interesting to be able to be something that can swim across the ocean just just anywhere like yeah that that would be really really different to me hmm. at the same time um an animal that isn't attacked very often and also um i'm being really practical now yeah, <coughs> it isn't it. attacked often it isn't hunted and people love it because it it's adorable slash friendly um, gee, that's very specific, isn't it? Dolphin comes to mind. Yeah, dolphin could be good. Yeah. They're attacked by sharks, but, you know, uh, dolphins are pretty intelligent, though. So. Yeah, I guess dolphin's not bad. I, I liked your thinking, though, because you were thinking, hmm, what, don't, what can't I do that an animal <laughs> can do? Because animals basically have superpowers. <laughs> yes, but a lot of them don't have opposable thumbs, so they'll never be able to open the jar of pickles. But they don't need pickles. Mm, well, not until they're discovered. <laughs> well, just got an image of like a a, a, a lemur or, or a llama, for that matter, trying to eat a pickle. Um, Ignorance is bliss, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, guess, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. You want to try another one? Another sure, question? sure. That that was that was a blast. The first one. Uh, yeah. This can only. Uh, it can only go downhill, right? Oh, um, it's another one from Hetty. Should I choose a different one? Maybe. Ah, oh, whatever. Yeah, I'll, ju- I'll choose a different one because that one was in the last episode, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what? People have it. It always comes to the top. I mean, the box isn't very big, but come on. Oh, well, you know, I'm trying. Hang on. What do you got? Okay, so this it says Have you ever won a competition or raffle? Mm. Hmm. Hmm. I've not ever won a raffle. My younger brother won a jelly bean guessing competition when he was like seven. Um, wow. Um, but in terms of competitions, um, I was in a lot of bands in primary school and high school, which did very well um, mm-hmm. in high school, mainly in the jazz program. But, um, oh, and basketball competitions, you know, for the social competitions I was in. Yeah. Um, but not not anything like you know where you put your name down and hope that mm. that would be, that would be great. But nah, yeah. I mean, if someone wants to put my name down for the lot the lottery and you know buy me a ticket or whatever, and you know I just happen to win you know fifteen million dollars, I, I, I'm not going to complain. And you're happy to split it, right? Sure, sure. That 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 was that was very confident, wasn't it? Do a ninety ten split. <laughs> I would you could negotiate the split with that person. Look, look to be on. To, to be honest, I, if I was to w- genuinely, if I was to win um, the lottery, I would give a fair bit of it away because I, I don't actually really want 
It sounds really weird. I mean, I'd love a lot of extra money, but I don't actually want to win the lottery. It just, I, I prefer to earn things. Right. So. Hmm. Anyway, that opens up a whole can of worms. Maybe <laughs> yeah. we'll discuss it yeah, some yeah. other day. Yes, yeah. Let's stick to cats in out of baskets rather than um, yes. cans of worms. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so let's get down to the nitty-gritty just to ease our way into it. What made you want to open up on the <laughs> podcast? Well, the topic of the podcast is is very close to me and a lot of people I know and... I I saw an opportunity to, you know, express myself to people who didn't know anything about it, to those who did know a lot but may not have understood everything from my perspective, mm. and to hopefully be able to help someone, anyone who who just needs to know they're not alone. Um, yeah, it's it's such an important topic, and and there shouldn't be as much stigma about it as there is. Um, and I, and I'm, I've been very open with it with a lot of people mm. and sometimes at, at, at personal risk and professional risk, but you know, it's, it, it should be able to be discussed like any other illness, yeah, you know, absolutely. someone breaks an arm. Well, not only is it obvious, but people are happy to talk about it unless, you know, yeah. they, unless the way they broke the arm was rather embarrassing, but mm. why can't you talk about mental illness in the same manner. It just it, it should be it should be something that's more talked about and I wanna help do that. So that's Great. why I'm here. Well thanks very much. I really appreciate you putting your hand up and being so willing to open up. I'm sure the listeners will get something out of hearing your story as well. Hope so. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you notice there was something not quite right with you and what sort of signs did you see? Um, well, I mean, I, I, I guess what's, imp- what's important to first say is that I sort of split up my mental health history into sort of, sort of stages within my life because, right. um, th- probably the beginning of last year was the very, very lowest of the lows, mm. um, but I'd had lots of low and dark times in the past with, you know, sort of bits that came back up in between. Um, but, I mean, even back in primary school, I was different. I was one of the outsiders at school. I, I got bullied from year four right through the end of primary school. I swapped schools. It still happened there. Mm. I got bullied in high school. I never really fit in. I felt very socially awkward in yeah. some respects, although to some people they didn't think that at all because I like to talk. Mm. Quite often me talking is just trying to hide my discomfort. Yeah. Um, it's a coping mechanism. Well, yeah, yeah. Maybe not consciously, but it's still mm. there. Um, I guess the first time I truly realized that there was something not quite right was back in 2011. Yeah. And, um, I, I, at that point I was working a part-time job in a cafe in Northbridge. Um, shout out to Gloria Jeans. Yeah. What up? Uh-huh. I don't talk like that normally. 
Um, that would be me being nervous. Um, <laughs> and basically, I had I'd gone through a lot in the eighteen months prior. I'd I'd actually lost about eighteen people within my life within that period. Um, mm. You know, from grandparents to an uncle to an old high school teacher, family friends, members of um, my synagogue, a whole range of people, neighbors. And it took its toll. And um, I, I noticed that I was not quite right. Like I was struggling to, struggling to, I guess, be, be find joy or, or be happy or, or mm. not stress. I mean, I'd always been someone who'd overthought things. Like, you know, I, I, my parents always like to tell people that when I was seven, I asked them, what's copyright and how does it work? And when I was eight, I asked, what's GST and how does it work? You get the point. I was that kid. Mm. But um, I, I noticed that I wasn't doing right. I wasn't doing well. So I, I went to my GP and um, got a referral to a psychologist. So, mm. yeah. So how, how old were you in these sort of time periods? Like when you... When you 2011? Lost, lost, yeah, lost 18 people and um, all that. The 18 people. So that were, well, it was, um, I don't know the exact numbers to be honest, but it's roughly whatever. Um, so it was around year 12. So it was sort of 17, 18, 19, um, mm. either side of year 12. And um, it, yeah, it was, it was hard. <laughs> okay. Well, that's interesting because um, you wouldn't have heard this yet, but I recorded the previous episode with Ursula. And she sort of alluded to the fact that um, life stages is is a big issue, like changes and coming up to a new life stage. Do you find that's the case for you as well? Dealing with change? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's something that's a bit of a challenge. Um, hmm. uh, I, I struggled for many years with I don't know who I am or what I want to do with my life. I need to know what I want to do right now. Uh, I yeah. don't know what I want to do, therefore I, I should hide. Mm. Um, I, I remember I had a lot of sessions with, with the psychologist and we that was one thing we talked about, you know, do I need to know what I want to do? Mm. And uh, I, I guess nowadays I'm feeling a lot more comfortable with it, but I still don't know. Yeah. So, but uh, to answer the question again, yes, um, stages of change are very trying for me. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, I think um, especially our age, like our generation, there's a lot of, I, th I think it's probably the life stage we're at and people are sort of always asking you, what are you up to now? What do you do? Like yeah. All this, it sort of like does something to your head a little bit. Mm. Do you find that's the case? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the high school I went to was very, very academic. It was very much focused on success, and I use that with quotation marks. Obviously, this is a podcast, so you'll just have to imagine it. Um, basically, I think to sum up how that school was in, in terms of the mentality, I remember a guy in year 12... Um, saying, I overheard him saying, yeah, my parents have already resigned themselves to the fact that I'm only getting a 95 ATAR. And I listened to that and I just went, 
that is everything wrong with this system and everything wrong with this school and it's still mentally scarring for me. <laughs> yeah, so for, for those of you overseas, 95 ATAR means that you did really, really well in your final exams at school. So someone to say that, like, it's not the top, 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 but it's still amazingly good. It's, it's pretty much, uh, I guess the, the easiest way to describe it would be roughly the 95th percentile. Yeah, exactly. You know, that that's... I mean, that's the closest way to describe it. That is yep. bloody good. That is above yeah. a lot of the population. It's insane. And um, they're not happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's... <laughs> wow. Yeah, that... Mm, I mean, I have heard a lot about that, and it does still make me cringe, even when I hear it now. Mm. It's terrible. Yeah, and I mean, when uh, I get asked by people of... Particularly of older generations... Um, you know, what do you, what, what did you study? Oh, you studied that. Well, that won't get you a career. And I'm like, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I was at uni. I just wanted to be at uni yeah. and study and learn. And mm. now I work multiple jobs in multiple industries. And although it's stressful at times and it's somewhat perhaps inconvenient at times, I, I love it. And there's a lot of opportunities out there for me. So, mm. you know, it, the traditional find a nine to five, it just doesn't work for me. Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you did see a psychologist, um, what diagnosis did you end up receiving and how did your life change after you were diagnosed? Well, I wasn't given the like the the words, the the official diagnosis. It's <laughs> It wasn't really something that was discussed in great depth, like the, the actual specifics of it. You know, some people, they're told, you have this, this, and this. For yeah. me, it was sort of, I am uh, feeling this way. I have tendencies to be like this. Mm. So, but but when... If someone were to ask me, I'd just say anxiety and depression. That's the easiest way of putting it. Um, for many years, the anxiety was the, the main issue and I would have panic attacks a lot. And yeah. I remember my first one was after a really crummy day um, at that cafe mm -hmm. in 2011. Um, I came home and had a panic attack or well, I was having one on the way home but it basically went for about four or five hours oh wow it wasn't fun I didn't know what was happening because I'd never had one before or at least mm. I didn't know I'd had one before yeah and um my parents didn't know what was going on because I hadn't actually told them I'd been seeing a psychologist for a few months mm. until that point but in terms of the, the diagnosis, anxiety, depression, um, and how, what, what the second part of the question was, how did it change my life? Yeah. How did it change your life after? Well, I had an outlet to, to start with. So seeing this psychologist, I had an outlet, a way to talk to someone who, and a way to say, I have this problem. It's annoying me. I'm getting frustrated. Um, what can I do? What can I, do you have any strategies or, 
you know, is it all in my head? Am I am I crazy or is you know something wrong with the world or something mm. wrong with me? Um, I'm not crazy, <laughs> and um, very few people with mental illness would be actually deemed crazy. And I don't even like the word crazy because it's a lot of negative connotations. Yeah, it's but one of those stigma words. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, if if you know the big the show The Big Bang Theory, yeah, yeah. If that show had been around back in 2011, um, it would have made a lot of sense for me to say the Sheldon line: um, "I'm not crazy. I've been tested." Mm. Yeah, I, it's it's true. So yeah. Um, <laughs> so, sorry, I got a bit off topic there. That's um, fine. Um, how how did how did my life change? Well, again, it took quite a while for me to get to the lowest of the lows, which was the beginning of last year. Yeah. And um, sh- should I maybe explain a bit about that to sort of understand yeah. how it changed my life a bit? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah? I, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not bothered about a structure. Like I always just. Pull it back. It okay. needs to be a bit like I'm happy to explore your experiences. Okay. So tell us a bit about what that was all like. Well, I um, I was working a uh, full-time job in sales in a call center mm. and uh, it was pretty full on and um, I was enjoying it. And mainly I was enjoying the money, but it was a very stressful environment and... I was actually planning on moving over to Auckland um, because I was in a long-distance relationship with a girl over there. Okay. And uh, I was actually planning on moving there uh, at the end of February last year. Hmm. About seven weeks beforehand, we broke up. And that was – that. there's no, way, no other way of putting it. That was the trigger that sort of sent me further down the rabbit hole. And um, – I was working and I was I was doing okay, but then I started to be less okay, and I came down sick. Um, I got um, I got bronchitis, mm. um, and I lost my voice. And if you're in a call center, you need your voice. Um, and I spent pretty much every waking hour in my room on my laptop watching. YouTube or, funnily enough, <laughs> Pokemon. Um, mm. And I I wasn't doing well. I was... <laughs> you just shut off. I, I completely shut down. Yeah. And um, about a week, after about a week of not being at work and feeling so incredibly low and basically not being able to do anything but cry and sleep to avoid the world and then just just see even now it's hard to talk about it's 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 mm. really it's actually quite upsetting to think about how 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 low I was mm. I ended up calling um beyond blue yeah because I was thinking about 
do I need to go in somewhere? Do I need to go to hospital? I didn't know what the hell that was like. I'd, I'd never spoken to anyone about it. I, hmm. I'd, I'd never been on medication at that point. I didn't want to be. I had this sort of understanding in my head that that meant that there was something truly wrong with me if I had to do that. And it was really, really bad. So I, I didn't want to do that. But I called them and I spoke to this very, very kind woman who was very understanding and I spoke to her for about 20 minutes and I was in tears on the phone and Mm. I came downstairs and asked my parents to come and have a seat with me. In fact, in the very same room we're sitting in now. Mm. And uh, I said to them, I think I need to go into hospital. Um, And that wasn't easy. And then from there, basically... We got that whole thing going and I ended up going in for three weeks and it changed my life. Like it really, really did. And it was a pretty horrendous experience in some respects being in hospital, but there were a lot of other things about it that that really changed me. And the biggest thing, and this is where it all ties back into the question, how did it change your life? Hmm. I met people in there who were some of the kindest, most amazing most intelligent, friendliest, funniest people I've ever met. They were normal people who had loved ones, who had jobs, who had hobbies, they had passions. They also had mental illness, just like me. And I felt not alone. Mm. And that was amazing Yeah, to, to just know that what I was experiencing wasn't forever and also that I wasn't the only one doing mm. it I, I there were people out there who un- could understand me yeah. um, without needing to psychoanalyze it and I think that started a big change for me and it it really I'm, I'm not sure what would have happened if I hadn't done that yeah so yeah, um, that's that's really interesting, and and I can see this is really upsetting. You and thank you for sharing all that. Uh, it, it's not so much that it's upsetting me; it's just <laughs> it's pretty intense because to think of where I was then and to think of how far I've come now, it's it's just I'm, I'm proud of myself. Yeah, you should be. It's it's not easy to go through all that, and and you should certainly be proud of yourself. So, you know, well done, mate. Thanks. <laughs> so uh, something I want to bring out from, from that mm. to this point is that, uh, again, that, that uh, you know, that running theme of safety in numbers and when you know someone who's going through the same thing, that sort of puts you at ease a bit. I've been finding that with, with quite a few of the people I've had on so far. Yeah. It, it really... It helps to know when there are other people out there who you can go to for just just a hug or a talk or mm. company because they understand what that need is like. They they need that too sometimes. Yeah. When it comes to dealing with anxiety, I 
I've learnt to be so much more em- sympathetic and empathetic to others, especially those who are obviously going through that. Mm. And in turn, that helps them realise that they aren't alone and that they can also learn to be more empathetic and sympathetic. And, um, and I say both of those because no, one per- no, no situation is the same, but at the same time there are similarities. That, that, that's why I say both. But um, in terms of depression... It's it's so hard sometimes to express anything about it, yeah. and people who are going through it can understand that. And words aren't needed, gestures aren't needed. Just just knowing that there's someone else there who goes, "Yeah, this sucks, doesn't it?" Yep. Hmm. Want to watch TV? Yep. Sure. I might be exaggerating it, but you get the point. I think. Yeah, like, listeners, I hope any of my ramblings are making sense because, yeah, it's 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 not easy doing this. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's fine. Yeah, I appreciate that um, you're coming on here in the first place. Mm. Um, so, uh, something I wanted to ask you because you've experienced it. I don't think any of the previous guests have. Mm. Um, so what was like, what was it like to go into hospital and, and to receive treatment there? What sort of treatment did you get? And yeah. just tell us a bit about okay, that. Okay, so <clears throat> I went into a, um, a private psychiatric hospital in Greenwich called Northside Hospital. Hmm. Um, it's not the world's highest standard of um, psychiatric care by, or, or facilities by any means, Um and I'm sure that some of my friends who I met there could could understand that. Um, but that being said, from what I, my understanding, it's a hell of a lot better than the public system. Mm. Now, to give you a bit of an idea of what I did, so I was there for three weeks. The yeah. average time of being there is about three weeks. They usually recommend it so they can observe you for a certain amount of time, especially if you're starting meds or if you're changing meds, something like that. Mm. Um, there are, the, the way it works there is there are group therapy sessions, um, I think two or three every day during the week. Plus they also have music therapy, art therapy. Um, they have psychologists there for you to talk to if you want to. Um, and you have to organize to schedule, you have to schedule that and you can, you usually don't get to have too many of them a week, but you know, there's only so many psychologists to go around Mm -hmm. and you're also, um, you also see a psychiatrist there. Now, for those who don't understand the difference, psychiatrists are the ones who deal with the medications. Psychologists are the ones who deal with, deal more with, the talking and the um, ooey-gooey emotions and things like cognitive behavior therapy, things like that. Um, before I went in, I went to meet psychiatrist and he, as it turns out, is actually one of the head psychiatrists at Northside as well as the one at Cremorne. And um, I was seeing him fairly often while I was in hospital. Um, and it was good because when I got in there, they actually started me on some medication on some antidepressants. Mm. Now, again, I had very much been the, of the opinion that 
I didn't want to do medications. I didn't want to do that because, you know, I'd heard I'd heard horror stories. Everyone hears horror stories about how, you know, medications, especially antidepressants, this and that and the other, they're addictive, they do your head in, blah, 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 blah. It can happen, sure, but there's mm. also been more research done on these for decades and decades and decades than people realise. The particular medication I was on was an SSRI. So forgive my memory, I can't remember exactly. It's something, it's serotonin related. Um, serotonin being one of the, the hormones in the brain um, yeah. that uh, regulates emotions and things like that. And um, basically they started me on um, just one tablet of that, which is a very low dosage. Um, and, uh, I immediately came down with, well, within about a day came down with some very unpleasant side effects, mm, um, headaches, dizziness, nausea. I should also point out that I had already had, oh, and also loss of appetite. I should also point out that I had barely been eating over the last few weeks before mm. I went into hospital. This was another thing that I realized was not right because I normally eat more than two or three people combined. Yeah. Um, I actually lost five kilos in two weeks before heading into hospital. And um, I still wasn't eating that well when I was in hospital. And the medication was making me so nauseous and so dizzy that at one point when I was sitting in one of the common areas in, in the, our ward, I at one point I, w- I was sitting down and I said to one of the other patients, can you get a nurse? I need to go back to my room. I can't stand on my own. Mm. Um, so you're weak. <laughs> well, yeah, but I was also just so incredibly dizzy. I, 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 I don't know if any, any of the listeners have ever had vertigo. It was that bad. Mm. Um, so they put me down on half the dosage and it eased off. And it turns out that, I'm just very sensitive to these medications. Other people can go on to, you know, five times the dosage I was on and mm. barely have any side effects. It's it's very, very individualized and they cater for that. That's the point of the, the doctors, of the psychiatrists. That is their job to, to find these things for you. And um, so they... they, they fiddled around with that a bit um, and over the, the next few months... Um, there were some other changes to my medications, but eventually they got me back up to the the one tablet and I stayed on that until June, July of this year. So pretty much 18 months. Yeah. Um, and then I cut down to half um, and actually um, I hit a milestone this week. I actually am off the medications this week. Um Good but deal. yeah, yeah. But I'm now having the same symptoms that I just mentioned because of withdrawal. So that's fun. But mm. it's all good. Um, I know what to expect now. Whereas when I first went on it, I didn't know what to expect. Mm. So in terms of the treatment, um, the the group therapy sessions, they the way they ran it was they had three different themes, and each one lasted a week. So one would be on anxiety, one would be on depression, and the other one would be on general mental health, on good behaviors you know things to do with eating to do with sleeping um to do with you know surrounding yourself with the right people or the right environments um 
when do you know you're ready to be discharged? In fact, they have one of those sessions on when to be, when do you know you're ready to be discharged every single week? Obviously, because there's going to be people every week who are going to be discharged, but also they want you to start thinking about it the moment you get there. Not because they want you, they want to get rid of you or, you know, they want you to be out like that, but they want you to understand that this isn't permanent. Yeah. And it's not, it's not. Um, I did meet people who unfortunately were return visitors. In fact, they were veterans of the place, Hmm. but they had different mental illnesses and more severe and chronic. And that's, that's very different. What I was experiencing at the time was an acute depressive episode. It was, it was very, very bad, but Hmm. I'd never, I hadn't sort of been experiencing that for years and years and years. Yeah. Um, there, there was another therapy that I met that people were having that, that I met. And these, again, were chronic years and years and years, which was um, electroshock therapy. And yeah. they basically you, they, they shock certain specific parts of the brain um, to ease or manage or hopefully stop um, certain symptoms in various people. And it's only a last resort and it's got mixed results and... I wouldn't recommend it personally, not that I had it, thank God. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, um, yeah. so the hospital environment is, is interesting in a private uh, hospital because you, you get your own room or a small share room and meals are all catered every day and the nurses have to check on you um, a lot, you know, to make sure you're still there and you haven't run away or you haven't done anything. Um, and the way that they do it in terms of severity is when it, when people come in, there there's four different categories. And the reason I'm explaining this is just because a lot of people don't know how it works. Yeah. And again, I said I want to sort of break stigmas. And um, mm. people think that psychiatric hospitals are like the mental asylums of the 1950s. They're, they're not. They're not. There were no bars on the windows. Um, there were no, you know, rubber rooms or anything like that. It wasn't that sort of facility. Mm-hmm. Um, so when there, there are four different categories, one, two, three, four. Everyone who comes in, when they first get in, they're on a category three, which means that they're not allowed to leave the hospital but they're allowed to leave the ward so they can go down to the, the dining room, things like that. Um, they can go to the gym. And um, basically, Category 3, they are checked by the nurses, so site checked every, I think it was every hour, every, every half an hour, something like that. Hmm. Um, that happens all day and all night. So even while you're sleeping... They'll come and open the door, which inevitably will wake you up unless you're on some very strong meds, which some people were. Um, and that that can be a little bit invasive, but it's necessary. Yeah. Um, the most extreme category is ca- category four, where they're not allowed to leave the ward and they're checked on. Um, they're checked on even more frequently. Um, it's, it's pretty severe. The, those ones are for people who have basically had suicidal tendencies, severe mm. suicidal tendencies. Um, I should also mention there were, there were four different wards. I was in the general mental health ward, basically the ones that 
didn't need specialized specialized treatment so there's an eating disorders unit there's a um uh, addictions unit and there's a um i think a what was it I i don't remember the other one but anyway um there's category two you are allowed to leave the hospital on short um supervised trips mm. and category one you're allowed to go out on your own um for short trips or longer trips with someone um so they they discuss with you you know ch- going down a category when you go see your psychiatrist basically just because the point of being in, in hospital is to take you out of your normal environment to observe you to to see, okay, if this person is exhibiting X, Y, and Z symptoms, what what's causing it? Mm-hmm. Um, and if we give them said medication, you know, this should happen. And if it doesn't, why not? It sounds a little bit like trial and error. And honestly, yes, it is. Um, but that's unfortunately part and parcel of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, trying to think what else I could mention about the, the hospital environment. Is there any sort of anything else you can think of off the top of your head right now? I think you've pretty covered. Like I, I think I, I myself have a quite a better understanding of what it's like. Because, mm. um, yeah, there are a lot of stigmas around it and you, you've done what you can to try break those down yeah. quite a bit. I, I should also mention that there's a lot of um, free time as well. Yeah. Um, I got to watch a lot of the NBA, which was enjoyable. Mm. Um, well, I wasn't necessarily enjoying things at the time, but it was better than, than not watching the NBA. Yeah. Um, I remember some of the girls were loving watching X on the Beach, which mm. is like Jersey Shore, but mixed with the losers of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette put in a mansion on the beach it was horrible um right it was really painful that was probably one of the worst experiences <laughs> being in hospital okay. <laughs> um but you know it was it it isn't it isn't what people think like the nurses um organized to take you around the neighborhood on a walk you know every couple of days hmm. so for, for those who aren't allowed to leave the hospital they can go with the nurse just on this little Thing. You can get some sunlight. You can go and actually be out in the public and mm. be treated like a normal person. It's yeah. so. There's that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think I think that'll do for explaining that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was um, really interesting to get your perspective and and as I said, a lot of people don't really get to hear from the inside of of that. Yeah. So thanks for that. Yeah. I I should also mention that um. If anyone who has has any if anyone has any questions about that or you know anything to do with being in hospital, I'm not the expert by any means, but I'm happy to answer questions if you want to message the the Facebook page for the podcast or something like that. Um, Huzzy can get me in t- get you in touch with me. Um, I'm right. happy to do that. Yeah, well, thanks for offering that. Thank you. So I wanted to move things along with um, some of this stuff. So how do you think your diagnoses are perceived by people in society, so depression and anxiety? Well, let's start with anxiety. 
Um, people, a lot of the time, when I mention that I have anxiety or have deal have have been dealing with it for years, they go, "Oh, but you seem very confident. Or you you're always so happy. You're always so bubbly. Um, you know, you you don't you you don't really seem like you struggle talking to people." They equate anxiety with being extremely introverted, with just being shy. Mm. They don't understand that it's got nothing to do with that. I have met some people who never say a word, don't feel any anxiety whatsoever. I have met people who talk way more than me, and that's saying something, but they are some of the most anxious people I've ever met. Um, When you're experiencing an anxiety attack or even just severe anxiety, not necessarily an attack, the way I try to describe it to people is you've got a thousand thoughts running through your head, but also nothing. Mm. That is a very, very difficult thing to comprehend and it's very difficult to deal with when you're having it because it's frustrating, it's upsetting, you don't know what to do, you know. And then the moment you start to get anxious, you start thinking about everything else that could be wrong in life. You know, the little things become big. The, the the little cloud becomes a gigantic cloud. Worst case scenario. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and people in society often assume that anxiety or, or panic attacks it's it's over something that's that's really big or really stressful. So you know that final exam, that that you know interview, that you know you you're putting down a deposit for something you're really looking to get or you've experienced a traumatic incident. Sometimes it happens out of the blue. Mm. They don't get that either. I've been having a perfectly fine day and then bang. And I, it's, it's really bad. Mm. <laughs> and, and people just don't get that. Um, that being said, I do think perceptions are changing. Yeah. Um, I, obviously, there's a lot more discussion about it and a lot more acceptance particularly by younger generations Mm. um so you know it's it's a work in progress there i think and um i'm i'm certainly hoping that people can talk about anxiety in you know a less or uh, sorry no in a more informed way um in terms of society's perception of um depression some people know about the concept of the black dog. Yeah. Just sort of follows you everywhere. Um, it, you know, just sits on your shoulder, makes it hard to do things, mm. hard to get out of bed, hard to even go for a shower. Yes, I'm saying this from experience. Um, it's, it's like that in some respects. Yeah. But also sometimes you just feel numb or mm. you feel worthless or you feel just what's the point and and that and and thinking what's the point doesn't necessarily mean what's the point I want to kill myself that's that's not what it means mm. it, it it's just completely questioning your own existence and 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 you know I'm not getting any joy out of anything I don't feel anything yeah um a lot of people assume that once you recover it, 
recover recover from it, mm. which in and of itself is a bit of a, a misnomer anyway, because a lot of people may not necessarily recover fully from it. They might just manage it better yeah. and get to a point where they're functioning. You mentioned with Panya, high functioning and low functioning. I think, yeah. I think it was with Panya. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd never actually heard those terms before that, but um, it's true. It's true. Um, for a lot of the time while I was really not well, I would have been considered high functioning. Most people didn't know that mm. I had anything going on. Yeah. Um, and that's it. A lot of people hide these things or just it's not, it's not visible and therefore it doesn't exist to society in some respects. Yeah. Um, again, there's a lot of uh, pop culture things. Uh, yeah. You know, Hollywood produces one or two major TV shows or, or films that about depression every other year. Yeah. I could, I could have gone on a rant about that in the first episode, but I chose not to. I yeah. didn't want to specific, like, specifically target any particular yeah. show, but you, you know they're out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember you saying something along the lines about it. Um, you know, I think you you have mentioned Silver Linings Playbook as, as a good example of um, how, how pop culture sort of looks at bipolar, for example. Yeah. Um, it's a brilliant movie, I think. And it's good that it does bring the topic up, but it's just not how the reality is for those suffering mental illness. Mm. I mean, it could be for individuals out there, but it's not a blanket statement. You can't put these in a, in a, a box. Yeah, totally. Um, and that's one of the one of the messages that we struggle with uh, films and stuff that sort of gives the impression that oh yeah, this is what it's like for everyone mm. out there. Yeah. Um, I think there's there's a um, oh there, I've got a book upstairs which is is really really good um, I'll I'll have to I have to look at it later I can't, I can't remember the name off the top of my head it'll come to me later but essentially the author writes a fictional story based on his own experiences yeah. going through depression anxiety in New York and ending up in a psychiatric facility similar to what I was in mm. but American system so yeah won't go into that um, <laughs> but but basically the way that he writes it um, a lot of people I think if they were to read it would would sort of go oh is that what it's like mm. oh I didn't know that oh is that you know you can still think rationally when you're when you're de- Depressed? Oh. Oh, okay. Mm. I mean, sure, there are times where you can't, but just, how do I put it? A lot of people think that someone who is depressed or who has depression can't can't express anything or can't feel anything Mm. at at any time. You're not necessarily always going to feel that way, even if you are depressed if you have depression you know there's this very very simple way to to sort of describe normal people's when i say normal every person's sort of life in terms of highs and lows if you imagine the line it goes up and it goes down it goes up and it goes down you've got you know highs and lows people who go through depression the low might be way 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 down but then it comes up a little bit and then it goes down a bit and it comes up and the recovery bit of that is coming back up to 
the the average that that most people are at but a lot of people's perceptions are that they get to the low bit and they just stay down there that whole time yeah but also why mm. why are you feeling like that you 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 should be happy mm. you should be happy because you know you're healthy you but you if you've got depression you're not healthy like it's that's that's a thing isn't it yeah i i don't know uh, i i tend to get a little bit worked up when thinking about some of the prejudices that exist around it and that i've experienced mm. um and i've talked about this bit for long enough and before i say anything that might get me in hot water i might just move on from that bit <laughs> all right we'll leave, we'll leave that there thank you that's all right so you sort of mentioned briefly with the depression that there's this feeling of like um you know like what's the point but not necessarily suicidal but on that point did you ever experience suicidal thoughts yourself no but with an asterisk because I think most people wonder at some point in their life, whether they they have mental illness or not, what would people be like? What would people do if I wasn't here? Yeah. And that certainly had occurred to me, mainly in moments of self-pity, which, which weren't moments I was proud of and I'm still not. But mm. I never had any thoughts of I wanted to, to end myself. No, not not at all. I um I've always thought that that's not the right way to go about it. There are there's too much potential in in people in 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 every person um to just end it. And I I think I think that's that's something that I I'm quite quite strong about. I I could never say to someone that I understand that that you why you feel that way. It just mm. and that in and of itself might upset some people because how how dare you? As I I assume how they feel, but even at at the lowest of the low, there is always a way. There is always something that could help bring you back up. Um, you just got to yeah. find the right the right tools, the right people, the right organizations, the right medication maybe. Mm. Um, well, that's a good good message to put out there on that point. I want to ask you who or what got you through your most difficult times. Well, um, my friends for starters. Um, yeah. um, I've, I've had some friends who've been there with me throughout the whole thing. Mm. Um, from very young. Um, my family, although they haven't always understood and I clashed with my parents a lot, um, a lot, and uh, it was trying, um, they've come good mm. and um, they, they've really, really stepped up their, their game in the last couple of years, especially with the beginning of last year. Yeah. Um, and... I mean, in just in the last year and a half, two years since I was in hospital, without a doubt, um, an organisation that I found while I was in hospital, which I attended last year, um, it's called Grow. Mm. And basically, 
it's a support program for those with who are experiencing difficulties in life and me- mental illnesses in particular, but not exclusively. Um, it's anonymous, it's free, it's voluntary, it's run by members. Um, and it, it's, it was originally based on um, Alcoholics Anonymous's 12-step program back in mm. the 1950s because, well, the original founding members... They, they wanted to have a, a meeting where they could discuss mental health, but there was nothing really there. Yeah. So they set this up, and now it's in something like five countries across the world. Um, I, I highly recommend them. Um, they have a meeting uh, in Chatswood on Tuesdays, um, but they have meetings all over Sydney, all over Australia. Um, they're a really, really good organisation. They've got a lot of really, really useful things um in their their readings um but but also the the meetings themselves you're sitting with people like i've said who can understand you but they also challenge you mm. they they push you to 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 work on yourself in a positive way in a constructive way and they push you to not put yourself down they push you to go from strength to strength and 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 that that's important but they also don't overdo it you know if they understand that that you know if 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 you're not coping with that that's cool but it's another branch of support network yeah um and i also have to say that in the last year and a half of course my, my girlfriend and uh, like well first of all she's just she's been amazing um she's been very very supportive and um hmm. i've learned a lot f- through her so Thank you, um, <laughs> and and also this this one's going to be a little bit out, um, unexpected to some people. My my boss at the cafe I'm at now, and have been since last year. He he's he's a very inspirational guy. He's only a couple of years older than me. He already owns a couple of businesses. He's married. He's he's got a kid on the way. And um, mm. right from the first time I met him, he's been understanding of my situation. He's been empathetic. He's been supportive. He's helped me gain confidence. He's, he's said to me, he, he said to me that he sees potential in people that they don't see. And I didn't see any, anything in myself last year. Mm. I, didn't, I just didn't have any confidence in myself after I got out of hospital. So, you know, he's, he's been a big, big help too. Um, yeah, and uh, I just, just going back to grow quickly... Um, the oh no sorry um not just grow but uh i've also heard of another organization which i'm hoping to attend sometime soon um for young men called mr perfect and this goes back to society's perceptions um um, because he's mr perfect on the outside and according to uh one of the people i've met who um is in it um He's basically all effed up inside, <laughs> hmm. but he's Mr. Perfect on the outside. And basically they meet and have sausage sizzles and um, it's a little bit blokey, but it's it's also just for young men to meet and discuss these things. And I think that's also a really good idea. So, Great. yeah, so those are a few organizations. I'd obviously recommend Headspace and um, Beyond Blue as well. If you're um, in Australia. Yeah, or um, look, wherever you are, 
your GP, your, your doctor would be the first bet if you need. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. Great. Thanks for sharing that. So what would you do differently, if anything? <laughs> uh, um, Just one thing, I guess. The, the one big thing that sticks out for you. Um... Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Because, I mean, everything that's happened has brought me to where I am now. And, and where I am now is, is where I want to be right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to keep moving forward. But, oh, that, that's a tough one. Um, I, I, I can't answer that one, to be honest. Well, that's fine. Because that just shows that you're a lot more comfortable with, with you and, and then where you're at with everything at the moment. And that's important as well to come to that realization despite all this happening. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So what advice would you give to someone with the same or similar diagnosis who might be hearing this and maybe they're having a a tough time right now? Talk to someone, talk to a doctor, talk to a friend, talk to a work colleague if you feel comfortable doing that and you know, doesn't risk your job. Talk to family, talk to counselor, talk to a rabbi, a priest, an imam, whatever your background is. Just find some sort of outlet because people can't read minds and the mm-hmm. only way that you can get help from people is if people know that there is something going on. Um, and I'm not suggesting the onus is on you to you know, have other people support you. But 50%, I I think, what was it Panya said? 50% is on the the treatments and support and 50% is on you? Yeah. I'd I'd say that it, it varies depending on what stage you're in, but the very first thing you need to do is find someone to talk to. Yeah. Um, And just say... I'm not okay. Mm. Go from there. Great. Well, on that point, I wanted to ask you as a male guest, um, if you found it difficult to open up to people just as, as a male, because this keeps coming up as a recurrent theme in the podcast. And when I talk to people in the community about this stuff. Mm. Well, I mean, I'm a, I guess atypical, a bit atypical when it comes to that, because Unlike a lot of men, I am quite honest and open with my feelings and I'm, I'm yeah. happy to talk to people about it, mm. sometimes to a fault. But um, I, th- I think it, that is an issue for sure. Um, yeah, but not for you. No. I mean, I've, there were certain people that I didn't feel I could talk to, mm. but I, I don't know if it was necessarily because of that. Mm. Yeah. You just got that vibe off them. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's 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 sometimes it's you gotta you gotta you gotta choose. I guess yeah. you know who to confide in sometimes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, and and that's really important in itself that you you're comfortable and trust someone enough to open up because mm. that's clearly the first step. So, 
another thing that twists the previous question a little bit. What do you wish someone had told you in your most difficult periods? Mm. Even though I wouldn't have necessarily understood it or, or believed it at the time, I would have liked to be told that I was worth something, mm. I think, yeah. Because that's something that's, that's come up for me a fair bit in the last year that I've, I feel more comfortable with now, but yeah. I didn't, I didn't for many years. And, and yeah, I, I'd, say, I'd say that that would be it, yeah. Mm. Um, I had a lot of, um, I guess, self-esteem issues because of being bullied in school and um, hell, even part of it was to do with not ever quite being as good at every single sport as my older brother, as silly as that might sound. Mm. <laughs> and, and video games, like, he was very good at it all. <laughs> it's just one of those guys. Yeah, although now if I was to play him in Mario Kart, I know I'd smash him, so it's okay. Mm. Yeah, that's important. You got but, one up on him. Oh, definitely, yeah. End. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that I'm worth something. Yeah, and it's really important that that's a it's a good message that we need to learn to love ourselves and appreciate ourselves and it's not vain to do that. It's something that's important to look in the mirror and say, you know, I'm I'm worth something. I'm I'm valuable. Yeah. And uh, and that's one of the the big messages of of grow. Um it's one of the very first things in their main book that they've got. Yeah. They just call it the blue book because it's, well, shockingly, it's a book that's blue. The blue um, book, creative. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's functional. <laughs> um, and uh, it's, it's basically I am a, a valuable human being. I am equal in value to every other human being no matter my yeah. background, race, health, you know, uh, economic situation well i don't remember the exact words but you get the point um mm. saying that my life is no less valuable than anyone else's yeah and and it's it's important thing you're right it is important to remember it mm, totally well thank you for opening up there that brings us to the listener questions Ooh. So, so i've got three for you today Ooh. so the first one's actually someone who found the podcast online and uh, um, she's from Lithuania. Her name's Giedre. Hello. Interesting name. So, so I had to learn how. She had to teach me how to say it. Awesome, so awesome. Giedre. I I actually have a good friend from Lithuania. Oh, um, I met her in uni, and uh, we actually dated for a few months. And yeah, I I want to visit Lithuania. So um, cool. Cool. What 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 was the question? So her question is. How do you manage to get things done like job and studies when you're feeling anxious or depressed? And if you did nothing in those periods, how did you manage to get back to normal life? Okay, so I'll break that up into a few bits. So first of all, when I was at uni versus now, yeah, big, big difference. When I was at uni, I worked two jobs and um, was studying full time. And in my last year, I worked two jobs, studied full-time, and also ran the, the Jewish Students' Union. Um, I was very anxious over that whole time. Mm. My main issue was procrastinating. 
and especially with assignments. And yes, just like most uni students, I left it all to the last minute, but I still got things done. I like being productive when I'm productive. <laughs> and right. when I'm productive, I'm very, very productive. Okay. Um, I like organizing things. I like being, uh, I like seeing a project come to life. So in terms of managing all of those things when I was at, at, at uni and, and work, um, I, I think one thing I did was I, when I was focusing on one thing, when I was actually able to focus, I just focused on that. I didn't try and focus on 10 things at once. Mm. Um, I prioritized what needed to be done first. And this is obviously when I eventually got around to it because, I mean, you, you've got to just break the habit of procrastinating, which is something that, that to this day I still struggle with a little bit. But um, yeah. in terms of assignments, what's due first? What will take the longest? What will be the easiest? If doing the ones that are the hardest um, but are due closest is too much for you, it's too anxiety-inducing, do the easiest one. Just mm. get a task done, get something done. It'll make you have a sense of satisfaction and then you can move on. Yeah. In terms of work, well, <laughs> you just got to focus on the work when you're working, I guess. Mm. Um, nowadays, I, I, I make sure that I schedule myself a bit better. So I, I know when I'm working, you know, which job, because I work multiple jobs, as I said, and um, I, I, I keep a lot of variety in my life. I think that's important. Um, mm. because of the variety, I, I don't get bored with what I'm doing. Um, and it also helps that I enjoy what I do. So the, there's a few things you can take out of that, I guess. Yeah. Do, do what you enjoy. Yeah. Um, enjoy what you do. Um, prioritize and give yourself a pat on the back when you actually do achieve something. That, that's an important point, actually. Mm recognize when you've achieved something yeah. no matter how big or small wonderful great good little package of stuff there. oh yeah yeah great <laughs> so the next question is from a friend of mine called marcus from hello, sydney hello marcus so he wants to know have you ever felt that your anxieties and depression feed off one another oh without a doubt yeah without a doubt um in what way when i get really really anxious whether it be about a particular issue or it's just come up randomly. Hmm. If I, if it gets worse and worse, I start to think about, you know, an issue that might annoy me a little bit. As I said earlier, the little cloud becomes a big cloud. Yeah. So if there's, going back to when I was at uni, um, <clears throat> I'd be feeling really anxious about an assignment and then suddenly I'd feel really anxious about that slight pain in my elbow. And then I'd feel anxious about, oh, I didn't empty the dishwasher. And then, oh, no, I'm feeling anxious about this, that and the other. And, oh, how, you know, I'm not, I, I can't do any of this. I'm not, I'm clearly not doing it, so I'm not worth anything. Mm. Um, and it just sent me into a spiral and it would make me feel a lot worse. Um, conversely, the depression... If you're feeling really, really low and you're not doing anything and you just you you feel really, really unbearably numb, yeah. you're not achieving much. 
Mm. If you're someone like me who wants to be productive and needs to be active and doing something, then you're not, sets off your anxiety. Yeah. I don't like being bored. So, yeah. yeah. I guess that's testament to the comorbidity between the two and that uh, it's quite common. Yep. Yeah. Great question, Marcus. So the last question is from someone you know, is from Milena from Peru. Oh. They're from uni. Hola. Hola. <laughs> so she wants to know, do you think that talking about your progress with others helps speed up your recovery? Yes. Yes, I, I, I do. Um, I think that that's probably one of the biggest things that has helped. Mm. Um, I said that about when I was in hospital, you know, I'm, I met people who I, I felt at home with and I could talk to about it. With Grow, the support group, the very first meeting I was there, even though at the group I was with, I was the youngest person there by at least 10 years mm. um, and I'd never met them before in my life and I was super anxious. The moment I started talking to them, I started to feel better. Yeah. And doing this podcast, it's it's almost like full circle because I've just finished my medication and, and being able to pass on my experiences to help someone else. It If I can help someone through what I've experienced and hope that they can have a less painful time of it yeah then that's going to help me feel better as well so yeah Hmm. gracias yeah i guess that uh it sort of gives you a bit of a way to check up on on your progress itself and to see i have come this far since then and sort of help you process your achievements yeah yeah i guess yeah that that's that's also another way of looking at it yeah well on the point of achievements, I want to just do a bit of quick fire questions about how things are going for you positively. Now. Cool, cool. So what are you most proud of to have accomplished so far in your life? Um, <laughs> um, big, big achievements. Well, I finished, I finished my degree at uni. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know that that was a big deal because a lot of people drop out so i i was pretty proud of doing that mm. um i was proud that i managed to go traveling by myself on two trips to continents i'd never been to essentially okay um and i got a lot out of that mm. i'm i'm proud of what i've been able to achieve in the last year in the last two years really just Mm. All the uh, the different things to do with my jobs and also the events that I've put on for, for salsa and things like that. Yeah. Um. But but mostly, uh, I'm just I'm proud of I'm proud of the fact that I can call myself a a, a good and happy and healthy person, and mm. that, that's something that is often overlooked. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't have been able to call myself that this time two years ago. So hmm. I think I think that's probably the thing I'm, I'm most proud of, even though the other things are also something I'm, I'm proud of and, and I'm happy I did. But, yeah. Well, well, well done on, on achieving those things. It's very commendable for sure. So what are you working towards at the moment? Good question, um, as they all are. Um, Thanks. Well... 
my girlfriend and I are wanting to find an apartment, okay. um, but uh, a little bit difficult timing-wise because I'm going overseas next year for um, just over a month. So, mm. but I'm 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 saving money. I'm trying to look into possible business ventures. Yeah. Um, I won't I won't mention any more on that because you know, but um, I'm 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 looking to increase the numbers at the classes that I teach mm. um, I'm I'm also looking to help my, my brother with continuing to expand the basketball club that that, are, that we've been running for close to five years yeah um, and yeah I'm just I'm, I'm just well those things but also just to continue giving back to the community in as many ways as I can. Mm. And this is this is one way. So thank you again, Huzzy, for the opportunity. Because no, that's all right. It's 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 a little bit weird doing this and talking about it like this, but but I'm sure it'll help someone. So. Yeah. I mean if even if it just helps one person, it's it's yeah. huge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the pleasure's mine. I'm I'm glad to have you here and, and it's good to share your story. I appreciate that. So how can you tell that you're doing better now? Like what's what are some things you can see that sort of show you, oh, yeah, I'm doing a lot better? I'm having more good days than bad days. Mm. I'm not having nearly as many anxiety attacks. In fact, the last time I had a full-blown attack, don't remember. Um, mm. So there's that. Um yeah. Even when I do feel anxious or low, I know what to do. It doesn't last as long or and it's not as intense and I move on. Um, mm. And also I'm having success in what I'm doing, yeah. you know, and um, I'm finding joy in things. Mm. You know, I'm in a wonderful relationship. I work jobs that I, I love. Um, I get to go and do things I want to do and, and there's, there's joy in life. Mm. So... It's wonderful. It's great. So just a, in a longer term sort of sense, what are you hoping for the future? Well, I mean, it would be nice to get my own place, an actual place, not just renting at some point, although that is my next step, obviously. Yeah. Um, I would like to have my own business at some point. Hmm. Or businesses, depending on what <laughs> happens and what what I can you know put together. Yeah. Um, I'd like to go traveling more. Mm. Um, it's there's a lot of opportunities out there. I've just got to find them. Yeah, totally. And I'm sure they'll come your way too. If you do. If you're feeling good. All right. Well, thanks for sharing all that. I guess that brings us back to the golden random question box, if you will. So. Just okay. take one. We'll do one for now. Okay. See how you go. Okay. It's a long one. It was asking about what animal I would like, and well, I mean, <laughs> it's sort of the same. Yeah. All right, let's try. Something Although have, having a dolphin wouldn't be nearly as cool as being a dolphin. Yeah, I think it would be very <laughs> impractical to have a dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> you need a big tank for that. Or just to live in a submarine. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
Do you prefer warmer or colder temperatures? Without a doubt, warmer. Um, I love the beach. I love the sun. I love being able to go and play basketball outside. Mm. I do not like the rain. I do not like... I'm not a fan of the snow. Um, I'm super skinny, so wind goes right through my bones. Now, mm. could not live in a place like um, S- Siberia, for example. <laughs> well, you're in the right place then. Summer's around the corner. I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Great. All right. So on the podcast, we also like to promote feeling good. And one way that I like to do this is to ask every guest... What is your ultimate feel-good song? So tell us the name of it first. Don't get too excited. I know you're very excited. Don't uh, get too excited <laughs> to play it yet. Yeah, so yeah. what's the name? Um, so it's a, a salsa song that I found a little while ago. Um, it's called uh, La Charanga Abanera, and it's by Gosando in Miami. It's just it's a really, really nice, positive-sounding song. I admittedly haven't looked up the lyrics yet, so I hope that they're also positive. <laughs> mm. So yeah. just give us a name one more time before um, we hear it. La Charanga Habanera. La Charanga Habanera. Very good. All right, well, I guess I'm ready to listen to one second of it. You guys won't listen to it because I'm paranoid about getting sued. Wow, I, I'm a changed man now after that. <laughs> it's, it's good to have some some of my Latin roots on this podcast of course, in of some course. way. So thanks for sharing that. Go check it out. It's it's Aaron's feel, ultimate feel-good song. Oh, at the moment. It, at uh, the moment. <laughs> it's hard to choose one, but at the moment, go check it out. All right, well, this brings us to the end of the, the recording but uh, just wanted to ask you, what's one final thing you would want people listening to take away from this? Not, not, not necessarily one thing, just a lot of the different things that I've, I've mentioned, honestly. Um, you know, you're not alone. To go and talk to someone, there are a lot of different um, opportunities out there to get help. Um, and, and also just that I'm, I hope I've helped break some of the stigmas down and that those who know me have learned something new about me they didn't know. Mm. Yeah. Great. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and opening up like this. Um, I'm sure a lot of people will get a lot out of it, especially hearing your experiences in the hospital. Mm. That's quite new for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and you should be very proud of, of where you've come so far in life and good luck with with the rest of it thank you thank you and um i uh, hope that i'll see you at salsa soon yeah <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> all right well that's it from us thank you very much to you guys for listening and the listener questions too thank you very much make sure you like and subscribe on facebook soundcloud podbean or the itunes app and um Hope to hear from you soon. See ya.